from the other office? She's snubbing us. I invited her to be on the podcast, and she said, I don't want to be on a podcast with you guys. Get out of here. She wisely declined. Well, she's probably she's probably listened to a couple of them. Can you blame her? Yeah. Are you ready well, to go? Oh, not quite. I'm I'm still having things, and I actually have someone here with me. Ah. Yeah. Why don't you introduce this mystery person? Oh yeah, it's a big mystery, right, Cash? <laughs> Yeah, over here in the um, firestorm. Yeah, you heard about our fires, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. California. My brother. California is always on fire. Are, are you close to where this is going on? No. Good. Not close at all. It's up in Ventura mostly, and over in Bel Air. I'll bet you here in Nevada we're closer to it than you are. <laughs> Probably are. Okay, is my microphone okay? As the crow flies, probably. Yeah, we can all hear you great. Okay. Okay, inter- introduce your guest, and uh, oh. we'll we'll try to get Sherry in here to say something on the podcast, too. Well, she yeah, can say hi luck. to me. That would be cool. Good luck. Oh, yeah, that's a good idea. Invite Sherry in just to say hi to Dawn. Mm-hmm. Sherry? Okay. Sherry? I, I'm... Motioning my brother over. <laughs> Come on in to say hi to Dawn. My brother is here visiting from uh, no, no, Hawaii. You have to so walk over here. my brother Ron. Let's say hi. Hello. Oh, hey, Ron. <laughs> and that's as good as we're getting. Oh, okay. Okay, so. So hold on. We yeah. have we have our special guest here. Yes. Hi, Don. How are you doing? Hey, Sherry. Good. How you doing? I'm hanging in there. Now I've got to go. So goodbye. Okay. Bye. (laughs) Five, four, three, two, one. Hi, this is Chris Harmer of Harmer Shadow Auctions, and I'm at Stamp Show here today. Look at them, madam. Have you ever in your entire life seen anything so beautiful? I'm sorry. I don't know anything about stamps. Oh. This is the gentle art of philately otherwise known as stamp collecting. Here's a pile of stamps carefully culled from swap meets and garage sales. Rufus, what are you thinking of? Oh, I was just thinking of all the years I've wasted collecting stamps. Oh, like stamp collecting. Now, that's all right. That's quite a nice hobby, that. Yes, but it's not enough. Don't you understand? I'm lonely. I'm so terribly lonely. All right, Homer. You beat those stamp Nazis with good old-fashioned American complaining. Oh, if it weren't for you, we'd be at the mercy of weekend philatelists. You know, why didn't you just say stamp collectors? Because I'm tired of dumbing myself down for you. From Spain and two from Japan. I got a couple from Israel and Azerbaijan. I got a plenty from Poland, but none from Sudan. or from Fiji or Uzbekistan. Stamp collecting happens when we dream together. Live from Studio B, deep below the Scott Murphy Memorial Library and Gift Shop, this is Stamp Show Here Today, episode number 151. I'm Cash, and sending a Christmas card is a great way to tell a person they're worth the price of a postage stamp. I'm Scott. This is Tom. And I am your stamp mistress, Dawn. That said, we also have a guest today. 
Gary Greenberg from Arizona has joined us again. Say hi, Gary. Hey, good to be here again. Hi, Gary. Hi, Gary. Great to have you, Gary. So what are we going to discuss today? That's a really good question. We are going to discuss national park stamps and national park related stamps. So by this, we're talking about revenue stamps, the trailer stamps, the boat stamps, the golden eagle stamps, the camp stamps. The Farleys? No. No. They're, They're national park stamps. Well, they commemorate the national parks. They, they, they weren't issued by the national parks. These, these were ah, so for these use are, in the national parks. Ah, so these, And unless you were mailing a letter from a national park, you would not need the Farleys. Ah. So we're going to discuss actual, like, actual utility stamps. stamps. Actual, like, yes. tax stamps and stuff like that. Because I got tired of talking about something other than stamps on a stamp podcast. Yes. Okay. <laughs> it only took 151 episodes, huh? <laughs> well, no, the first few we did talk about stamps. <laughs> and Cash complains because he thinks the stamp uh, topics are the least popular. So please no. let us know what you think. Do you want us to talk about stamps or do you want us to talk about other things on our stamp podcast? <laughs> Next week, automotive repair. <laughs> and Chinese food. Oh, good that sounds good. I haven't eaten lunch. So if you went to Zion National Park, which was the eight-cent stamp of the Farley issue, and you walked in the front gate, what would they hit you with? Um, Walking? Buffalo feces? Yeah. Well, there you go. Uh they wouldn't hit you with anything, and uh, <laughs> if you were walking, you would not need one of these stamps. Oh. Because uh, the, um, well, the first stamp to be issued that we're going to talk about is the trailer stamp. They are listed in the deep back of the catalog. It's a revenue stamp, and they were supposed to be, they were issued by the National Park, or, well, the post dog. They were issued by the National Park Service. Of the Department of Interior. They were required to be affixed to licenses to operate motor vehicles in the park starting July 1st, 1939, when a house trailer was attached to a motor vehicle entering the National Park or National Monument. A house trailer. A house trailer, better known as an RV. An RV, well. Hold on, no, no, no. If it was an RV. Yes. Wouldn't it be built on? It wouldn't be towing. They really didn't have RVs at that point yet, I don't think. Well, I, but yes, but I would still consider a trailered uh, motorhome to be an RV at you know in today's vernacular. vernacular. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, it, the, the the stamp actually depicts a trailer, which is uh, well, it's not an airstream or a golf stream or anything like that, but it's a similar shape. It's clearly a house trailer well, and co- coincidentally it's the rvt right stamp oh right. cool <laughs> right and the fee was a dollar um they, they issued two denominations 50 cents and a dollar and, and that was in 1939 1939 oh that was man a, that was expensive yeah well but i mean if you owned a trailer that you could tow with your car you had a little bit of money well was this was this a stamp used 
on entry to the park or was it like a registration stamp like they use for car registration? It was used for entry of the park where you had this trailer that you were going to basically live in on the park land. So if, but if you left and came back in, would you need another stamp or was it like good for a year? It was good or? for a year. Oh, okay. Was, you got a license and essentially carried that along with the trailer. And it was probably, and, and you can check on this, I don't know if you can, uh, but it was probably applicable to multiple national parks, or was it good for a year and only one national park? I believe park? the licenses were issued by the individual parks, and I don't think they were transferable to other parks. Oh, so if I you think were... I think if you visited more than one national park, you had to buy a license for each park. Well, that, that's interesting. I'd, I'd, you know, if anybody has any feedback on that, I'd like to hear about it. Uh, you know, that would make for more usages yeah uh you know as as it is right now these are extremely scarce and difficult to find items yes um they were primarily used uh in the western states for whatever reason i guess well the bigger parks yeah yeah the bigger parks there was a lot more room uh between the parks to travel there was a lot fewer hotels motels places to stay sure Uh, and and so bringing your own lodging with you was more popular out west at that time. So uh, of course, you know the western states would see more usage. Right now, I think uh, I've seen an example uh, from uh, uh, Grand Teton, and we've seen Yellowstone. Yep. Um, I guess uh, probably Yosemite. Uh, Crater Lake. Crater Lake. Okay. Um, but you know, I'd be amazed if we could actually put together. A complete set of, uh, you know, covering all of the national well, parks. You would be able to because if, uh, I'm assuming a lot of the parks, uh, well, they were never used. Well, that's true. They so, wouldn't have trailer permits right. at certain of the national parks. Right. But, but being able to find uh, one from, you know, putting together a collection, each from a different park would on a license would be very interesting. Yes, I would imagine. I, mm-hmm. I, I don't think I've ever seen such. So uh, it was a 50-cent stamp, the low value was? The low value was a 50-cent stamp. The high value was a, a dollar. So I, whip, I whipped out the inflation calculator, and 50 cents in 1939 is the equivalent of $8.75. Well, the, the $1 stamp was the one that was most typically used because that would have been for the entire year. So that would have been seventeen dollars and fifty cents. So we're and not talking about a really huge no, amount of money. No, but I mean, when you when you look at what you could have bought with that money, well, uh, in nineteen thirty nine, seventeen dollars and fifty cents worth of Chinese food. Right. I mean, it's, it's a meal out. <laughs> <laughs> so the okay. So these stamps, did they like stick them on the trailer or the car? No. How did no, they? They're, they're actually fairly. You know, they're small postage stamp size, really. And yeah. they, they would actually be affixed to the license. To the license. Right. Ah. And the license was probably a little bit bigger than twice the size of a credit card. Because mm. you see a lot of them are folded in half. Wallet size. So so they'd be, yeah, they'd be folded in half. They'd be wallet size. Ah, so in addition to this, though, the car that is pulling it in might also have a registration stamp. But that would be in the uh, the windshield. Well, that would be to register the car for whatever state. Right. Um, there was no national park entry stamp or sticker required for your vehicle. No, but the IRS the, got you. Yeah, on th- that this, one. Oh, well, this was for the trailer. Right. 
and I'm sure the trailer had its own registration and uh, value-added tax uh, mm-hmm. to the state. This was just for entry into the park as a way of uh, subsidizing the park's cost of operation. Right. And also, I know that a lot of people who had these trailers brought wine in <laughs> to drink, and there are wine stamps. Um, yes, as a segue, that uh, that would be. An but we're not talking segue. about those today. <sighs> we're they, talking. They might have also had beers. Beer stamps. Yes, yes. beer and wine. Stamps. Probably more likely than wine. And, and for uh-huh. the younger crowd, they probably had marijuana stamps and the <clears throat> the opium stamps and the opium and narcotic stamps. Absolutely, yeah. all, all of the pleasures in the national park were available. Yeah, this uh, this trailer behind this car here is a real uh, orgy of. Uh, in entertainment here. Well, in addition to the uh, the trailer stamps, um, there's also another interesting item, which is the, the motor boating the, stamps. The boating stamps, right. And that was actually issued uh, da, 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 by, the post, by the Coast Guard. Uh, what year was that? That was, that was 1960. These stamps were issued by the U.S. Coast Guard uh, well, actually, they were applied by the post office to certificates issued by the post car, uh, Coast Guard. And uh, there were two, two stamps, a $1 and a $3. The $3 was the standard fee for three years. And they, $1 was for reissue of a de- lost or destroyed certificate. Now, the stamps were issued by the tw- 12 states and District of Columbia that had not passed laws in conformity with the Boating Act of 1958. So I do not have a list of those states. If Cash can find it, we can... Mm-hmm. No, but I can tell you that $3 in 1960 was a significantly larger amount. It was $24.70, and now you're looking but at... But that was a, for three years. But that was oh, for so, three years. Oh, so it's 8 bucks a year. Okay, so you're so still... So it's about in, the same price. Yeah, yeah, you're still in the range of Chinese food, just not as good. Now, was the intent of this stamp to cover the costs of the Coast Guard services in those areas? or uh, it, w- it wasn't a registration stamp associated with the state. I believe it was a registration of sorts because uh, the states that didn't pass laws uh, governing the registration of boating vehicles, this is what took the place of those certificates and they were issued by the Coast Guard so instead. If you, so if there wasn't a state law present concerning the taxation of motor boats. Taxation and registration, right. Then, then a federal ordinance overcame the uh, uh, the state uh, lack of, uh, uh, of taxes? Apparently that appears to be what happened, yes. So if Florida instituted, let's say, a tax on boats of a dollar, it, it would have superseded... Requiring, requiring you to register it and thereby have the name, the serial number, and the owner on file, then you wouldn't need this because well, now I'll, you have... Probably not. You probably would still. I've seen plenty of licenses with a state and a federal tax stamp on it. So, I mean, the, the federal It depends on what, yeah. what the laws were in the Boating Act. I'm, I'm kind of curious because if you went to, like, uh, Florida, obviously, the Coast Guard is out there and stuff... I wonder if you went to a lake, you know, in a national park. Uh, I wonder if they still would require this. So you have your car with the registration stamp, then behind it you got your 
trailer with the registration stamp. Then well, 21 years later, you got your boat on the back. Well, I, I would speculate that the Coast Guard doesn't necessarily guard inland lakes. Oh, I know they don't. So while, while they might do the Great Lakes and they would yeah, do true. the coasts, I, I would not think you'd find a Coast Guard cutter in Lake Okeechobee. Or it would be a very, very small one. Okay, a Coast Guard <laughs> rowboat. Well, actually, I shouldn't say that. Lake Okeechobee is huge. It's, it's a tremendous yes, lake. Yes, it is. You, you would not want to swim it. You know. Because of the alligators and that, nothing and else. As well. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, in, in, in truth, that it is a, a large body of water that, uh, you know, you can spend yeah, you hours can, on getting I've been up on top together. of I've been up on top of the uh, berm they built around it, and you can't see from one side to the other. Oh, mm. for sure not. No, it's... Uh, it's the size of Rhode Island. Yeah, so... Do you know why they have a berm around it? Why? Because one year, one of the hurricanes actually, because the lake is so big, a hurricane went over Florida and actually created a storm surge that flooded Okeechobee. Oh, wow. So they put the wow. berm around it with canals to prevent storm surges. That's how big the lake is. Wow. Okay, so here's what the Federal Boating Act of 1958 says. It defines what an undocumented vessel is which defines what a vessel is it define, defines what the secretary is meaning the secretary of the department in which the coast guard is operating the owner it defines owner and it defines state and it's basically every undocumented vessel propelled by machinery of more than 10 horsepower whether or not such machinery is principal source of propulsion uh using the navigable waters of the United States and territories and the District of Columbia, and every such vessel owned in a state and using the high seas shall be numbered in accordance with this act. Hmm. So, uh, That sort of sounds like big lakes would be there. Yes. Yeah. Very interesting. So, yeah, it's, it's basically for small boats. Right. They wanted a record of who owned them and how many there were and what you were what you were running. And and what's the uh, Scott number on it? RVB for boating one and two. Recreational vehicle boat. That's yep. easy to remember. Revenue vehicle boat. Yeah, revenue vehicle boat. Yeah. And there's two values. And there's two values. And like I said, three dollars was the normal three dollar certificate fee, and one dollar to replace a lost or damaged one. And that, and that was the uh, basically the exact same sort of thing as the trailer stamp. Right. Yeah. Okay. So that actually makes sense, RVB. Yeah. Because so many don't. I mean. Yeah. 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 Aren't beer stamps REA? Uh, yeah, I think so. <laughs> is that revenue inebriation alcohol? <laughs> yeah. Uh, inebri is inebriation inebriation is an I though, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So it should be RIA. But, um, okay, so then then we move on to camp stamps, which were issued in the 1980s, 85 and 86, actually. And they were issued by the Department of Agriculture's National Forest Service. And you could prepay your recreation fees through the purchase of camp stamps. And how much were those? And the program ended in 1988. Uh Let's see. They, yeah. uh, fifty cents, one, two, and three dollars, and five dollars and ten dollars. Oh wow! The prices went up in nineteen eighty six. So, so they had, uh, 
And it doesn't say what... Uh, well, the $5 one is the equivalent of $14.77, so it's probably more than one year, though, right? Uh, five bucks? No, it doesn't say... I believe they were for just for the one year, and depending on which park you went to uh, would depend on what the fees were. Now, I know what these look like. They're, uh, they're self-adhesive they're, they're labels. They're self-adhesive labels that say like 50 cents on them. Yeah. And California had almost the exact-looking same stamp, except it was yellow. Right. And it had the same sort of thing. So I, right. have a, I wonder if California came first or the Fed came first on these. I don't know. I haven't done any research. Yeah. But these are pink. Oh, I thought they were red. Okay, pink. Pink, red. I mean, some some variation of that color. And then, of course, you move into 1980, and those were superseded by the Golden Eagle Pass. Yes. Which right. most people uh, that go to national parks have probably heard of, and that's basically a blanket admission for all national parks for the year. But that's not a stamp per se it's prepaying the admission for it's a ticket it, yeah it's a ticket yeah but you put you know you get that and then you're good for the entire year right. you're good for the entire year and you're good for any park in the country is L it, is it a knee ticket? yeah exactly you need yeah. Were, were the uh, camp uh, tickets applied onto any type of license or document uh it doesn't say there's no information on used. There's no information in the catalog on usage. Yeah, no, I've not seen the California ones. Generally speaking, that I've seen, and again, I've never seen a California and a federal one on the same one. But the California ones, they were putting them on. You know the um, little receipts they have for the duck stamps. They were literally putting them on those. Yeah, I mean, this is a prepayment of your fees. Well, yeah. would one be applicable to a state park versus a federal park? Well, these are ju these are just for the federal parks. Oh, well, that's what I'm so, saying. So, so like California may would have been have for a, a state park. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. It was not specific to you. In other words, you wouldn't use the Californias within a a federal park within California. Right, or national park, I should say. Right, but California. if you were traveling around and visiting I, parks and you wanted to just get a bunch of these, they were issued in basically in rolls. And I, I have no faith <clears throat> that the government of the state of California and the government of the United States would say, "Oh yeah, we don't need the money. Go ahead." I just don't think that happened. I think they charge double all the time. I don't know, but uh, so you would pull off as I guess as many stamps as you need because you paid for the stamps. You would pull off as many stamps as you needed when you entered the park for your fee. So you'd actually have already prepaid it. You just had to give them the stamps. Yeah, as far yeah. as I know. Now you know my experience is that you know several of these items are rather rare, rather scarce. Uh, well, they're all scarce. Yes. You know, certainly uh, the uh, the boating stamp, uh, the the three year is more common than the replacement one dollar value. Right. Um, I would imagine the same thing can be said about the the trailer stamps, with the fifty cent being uh, quite scarce. Um, the uh, the question I would uh, have would be the the uh, camp stamps. Uh, have, I've not even seen them. Um, you know, they don't show up uh, at, uh, at at shows, and I right. They, Actually, they do. I, I but I've, I've seen never them. seen a used one. I, I've seen them a couple times, but 
I don't know how they would have indicated usage. Yeah. Did they just stick them on your receipt and you were done? Did they just throw them and you know rip them in half and throw them in the garbage? I don't know. Well, does the Scott catalog call out a used price or just for none a, of them? Ah, so the it, camp stamps are only valued in the unused condition. Hmm. So I guess without its backing paper as a peel and stick, it uh, would be considered used. Uh, well, but even then, maybe not. Right. So there's no cancellation. They were just purchased and applied as. Right. And my guess is they were probably just thrown in the garbage by the ranger at the entrance point uh, after he had recorded that the or maybe they were put in the the cash register and then the accounting department recorded the serial numbers and then destroyed them. So you think they were collected. They weren't actually applied onto a license and somebody carried that around with them in the park. Right. Because you'd get a receipt for payment of fees when you entered the park. And these were to prepay the fees. So if you were going to take a uh, a trip and go visit a bunch of parks, you could actually mail in and prepay and get these ticket that get these stamps back, so that when you entered the parks, you didn't have to worry about finding money or. I see. Oh, so you, these were actually bought. Uh, I'm going to say the word online, but that's not correct. By mail. By mail uh, yeah. through the park service. Right. And you, whichever park you went to, you, you peeled off a couple of them and said, look, I've prepaid to get to all my parks. Right. And then so, you know, you, you pull up and the entrance fee is two and a half dollars. You hand them two and a half dollars worth of stamps. And then they collect the stamps. And then when uh, when they do the bookkeeping at the end of the day, they count the, that and then they destroy them. Okay. So in which case, true used examples would probably not uh, not exist. The existing. So, so here I have a. I did a really quick little search. It is for prepayment, and basically what it sort of says is that, like, when you instead of giving your kid three bucks, you give him three dollars in stamps so he can't spend it on candy on the way or something well, it's, like it's, that. It's like going to the county fair, and instead of giving him a bunch of money, you give him a bunch of tickets to go ride the rides. Exactly. No used examples have ever been recorded. That's interesting. Well, that would probably be because they were collected, the serial numbers recorded in the accounting book, and then they were just tossed. Or it was a stupid idea. And nobody used them. And nobody used it. (laughs) (laughs) Or nobody knew about it. I mean, it was only, they only issued them the two years. Were they sold at a discount where you could buy $100 worth? Nope. It was just... If it costs three, they say it typically costs three to four dollars. So if it costs three bucks to get into a campground and you had your choice of giving the person a three dollar stamp or giving them three one dollar bills. And quite personally, why would you? Yeah, why would you have to? Exactly. It was like a gift card that if you didn't use the value of, you ended up losing anyway. Well, I mean, yeah, it could have been used as a gift card, but um, somebody who's on a budget and they want to make sure that. they save enough money, set enough money aside on their trip. You know, maybe you're going to Vegas on the way to... (laughs) And you're you're penniless after Vegas, but you have these three stamps so you can can still get into the park. So you can still get into the park where you can set up your tent and... And hopefully you didn't bring a trailer, so you have to pay for the trailer fee when you get there. (laughs) (laughs) So all of these people who pre-bought these from Washington had them in their car or on their person for for years trying to get into national parks. 
eventually they were expired, didn't get used, and they turn up now. Well, they would have been they would have been superseded by the Golden Eagle Pass in. 1987. So. Now, yes, but would you have been able to redeem them and gotten your money back if you bought $100 worth of them? I don't or know. Are you, oh, you know, you SOL? Know, you know, nah, you know, you know that's not going to happen. Right. You, so yeah. so these things, now that you paid $4 for or whatever it is, uh, you, they have no intrinsic value. You can't get into a park with them. Well, it said the program. Like, like you know. said, you're what, expiring what's gift the, cards. What's the catalog value of a $3 stamp? Uh, it said the program ended in 1988. So you, yeah. I guess you did have a couple years to use them. Uh, let's see. An unused $3 stamp, 200 bucks. I don't think you're going to be uh, complaining. No, I, still I, I wouldn't think so either. <laughs> Not today. Yeah, how much is the fifty? But how many people? Worth? How many people were pissed in nineteen eighty eight when they couldn't keep using them though? Yeah, that's true. Uh, looks like the first series from nineteen eighty five are valued at two hundred bucks a piece, and the values from nineteen eighty six are valued at around five hundred for the lower values. Five dollars valued at a thousand, wow. and the ten dollar is not valued. Well, that would have been... Uh, that means that these things were never used. Yes. <laughs> well, yes. It also means that, uh, you know, the one guy who saved uh, his five or six of them is, is making out like a bandit. Yeah, exactly. Uh, saved or got screwed out of using them. Or stuck them in a, <laughs> stuck them in a book as a bookmarker and... Uh, Forgot they were there. Yeah, now 40 years later, somebody goes, hey, Grandpa, what are these? I don't know. Let's buy a house. So, so don't throw out those Rand McNally books that you inherit. Look for stamps in them. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So what's the next camping national park stamp? Well, actually, it's just those four four things that I wanted to talk about. Oh, well, can I add one to it? Sure. Because that guy with the trailer, he had a gun in it for shooting ducks. <laughs> and that's something that we really need to address because... The, what, the duck stamp or the firearms transfer stamp? Let's address both. <laughs> but let's start off with the duck stamp because this is something that everybody knows. They've all seen them. But surprisingly, very few people have actually seen them on licenses. Really? Oh, I would think every hunter has seen one on a license. Yeah, but They not, should have. Well, yeah, that's true. How many, how many hunters do you know that buy the stamp and then never put it on the license until they get collared by no. the And they sign ranger. it in really small letters or they don't sign it until the ranger comes up or something so they can keep the mint stamp? Yeah. Yep. I see that all the time. Yep. Hey, I wonder if this mint stamp's worth anything. Dad carried it around in his wallet for the entire hunting season, <laughs> never fixed it. Because, well, he wanted to save the mint stamp, but it's all wrinkly and yeah. melted. And <laughs> I, I actually saw one wrapped in saran wrap or cellophane and signed on top of the plastic <laughs> to, yeah. to retain the mint nature of the stamp underneath it. Interesting. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I have absolutely no clue, but I wonder how often you're pulled over and said, can I see your license? Oh, I would imagine actually, that uh, Actually, that fairly happens, frequently. Yeah. yeah. Well, it can't happen so frequently because otherwise nobody would do it. It has to like enough people fit, slip through the cracks. The, pro the where problem they get is away with it. the problem isn't how many people are out there enforcing it and looking at it. It's what the fines are if you do get caught. Yeah, that's probably true. Too. Those are steep. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, because essentially, if you don't have your license, you're poaching. 
Yeah, but if if you have your license and you have your stamp, you just haven't licked the back and, and signed or, it. And or trespassing. Well, know where you're walking. Yeah. You know, says the says the sign sa- says the says the previous hunter. So yeah. Now with these, you you do have, and like Scott said, they're about the size of two credit cards, and it has all your name and your address and everything, and then you have your duck stamp on it. But a lot of times in a lot of states, you'll have a second stamp on it also for the state you're hunting. A lot of times it'll be for the actual area you're hunting in too. No. Oh. Um, cause especially if it's a state preserve or something like that, yep. um, because you can hunt in other areas, private areas of the state and not have to have that second stamp. But if you're on public lands, a lot of times they'll charge you a fee for that. And that's, uh, I believe through the department of interior. Yes. Yes. Not agriculture. Yes. And yeah. you know, with the duck stamp program, they, that money all goes to buying more wetlands and mm-hmm. preserving land specifically for the preservation of uh well, ducks yeah so um yeah if people uh, are interested in our duck stamp podcast i think it was about 40 numbers ago so it's going to be somewhere around 100 or somewhere between 90 and 100 we talk about the how the artwork gets the competition chosen and stuff like that. where the money goes and all that stuff yeah yeah, there's, so, there's a big collecting tingent, contingent yeah. with that. So I'll, I'll give you an example. This this guy was given a $120,000 fine, three-year hunting ban on its ranch, leveled in 2005 against a guy for baiting migratory waterfowl for five years on its ranch in Texas. Without a stamp. Well, no, the well they're, they, were, they were is... baiting for probably so hunters could get it. Oh, I see. But, I, I mean... See, I see. Th- this is a thing. This is a list I yeah. found of the top ten. That's number ten on the list. So the fines are steep. Hold on, let, let, Google real quick. Uh, fine for no duck stamp. Interesting. So while he's googling that, let's talk about firearms tax stamps. Did I go the wrong way? Yeah, I think you were right there. A hundred and fifty dollar fine. For shooting a duck without a license? If you don't produce a license with the stamp on it when asked. Yeah, but that's that's one thing. The other one, the bigger one, though, is probably if you don't have a license and get caught with them. So not only now have you not have your license, now you actually have mm. the dead ducks. Well, you could always claim you found them on the side of the road. but uh, I don't think that matters. It's the uh, the hunting part. I'm I'm just wondering if it's the actual. Can you use federal duck stamps for postage? No. Yep. If you could, the value would go up dramatically because people can use twenty five dollar postage stamps. Well, not only that, I I have seen postal usages of them. Yeah, so have I. illegal usages, yeah, yeah. and those those are actually quite collectible if you can find them genuinely. Erroneously used, but if I if I recall, some of the earlier duck stamps, the RW one two, did have post office cancels, or a lot of them had cancels because they they originally issued the licenses and told people they had to cancel the stamp, right? Mm-hmm. And nobody knew what the real rules were or how to right. go you, about doing that. You see that. it most often on RW one, 
you'll either see a stamp on a license without a signature on the stamp, or you'll see it canceled with a post office cancel because they didn't know what the proper procedure was. Right. Yeah. After that first year, uh, you don't see it uh, very often. It's it's a very infrequent thing, and most of those are favors. <coughs> right. Uh, because after the first year, they kind of knew, okay, you have to sign your name on the front of the stamp itself. Right. To validate it for uh, as usage. I'm just, uh, you know, uh, as a point, I just find that kind of interesting that uh, there was some confusion at that point. And uh, I don't know if the post offices were issuing the RW1s. Well, I believe they are sold in the post offices. No, 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 no. Generally, they're sold in in hunting uh, stores, uh, Cabela's. Gun stores, yeah, Cabela's, uh, Dick's, uh, Walmart even sells them. Bass, pro shop type thing. These places weren't around in uh, 1939, but... They were available at the new uh, the Washington D.C. post office. You can buy them there, but no other post offices. You had to go to places that sold duck stamps. And here, I have it here. The it's a range actually. If you do not produce a license with a signed stamp on it, the penalty is between one hundred and one thousand dollars. With one hundred and fifty dollars being the norm, is that per per duck? Uh, well, I that's guess, just for not having the license. Yeah, when they come up and say, "Hey, you are you are in it's, it's specific. You don't have to be shooting at a duck. If you are carrying a gun in a federal migratory bird sanctu- sanctuary, okay, area area. Uh, if you have a gun and you're in a duck area, they come up and say. Where's your stamp? And if you say, oh, this is my protection gun or something like that, you know, uh, start whipping out First Amendment stuff or Second Amendment, Second Amendment stuff, uh, they go, uh, that's very nice. Here's your ticket. Yep. That sounds uh, appropriate. (laughs) Sounds just like the government. (laughs) You know, Secret Service guy caught crossing a... (laughs) Yeah. A federal wetland gets slammed <laughs> yeah, with but a he's ticket. Prob- he's probably not carrying a shotgun with, yeah. you know, no, but they bird can, shot in but it. But legally, they can still ticket him because he's yep. carrying a gun on a federal wetland. Yep. <laughs> and it well, says, you know, as the as number uh, one. Here's I would an imagine a federal agent. But I imagine, it, I imagine if you produce your FBI badge, they go, never mind. Yeah. Probably. Walmart sells more duck stamps than any other store. I'm not surprised to hear that. I wouldn't be surprised either. I was surprised. (laughs) I I would bet you Walmart probably sells more shotguns and shotgun shells than any other store. Probably, Mm -hmm. yeah. So in order to get that good juicy duck onto your table, you have to have a firearm. Mm. And to buy a firearm, you have to, it has to be transferred from a manufacturer or a store to you. Or if you want to sell one to your, give one to your kid... To go learn how to hunt, you have to have a firearms transfer document. And on that document, you're required to have a revenue stamp showing you paid the government a tax to transfer that firearm. I'm, I'm not sure if that's applicable to all firearms. I think that may just be applicable to the Class two weapons and above. The older classic antiques, it is not 
No, actually, no, no, no. If you, no, 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 no. If actually, I go into Walmart and I buy a oh, shotgun, hold on, no. I don't think I need a firearms transfer. If I buy an you, Uzi and a you, machine gun. You do, but there is no stamp for it, and there never has been. What the firearm transfer stamps are, I believe if you look, it'll, uh, it applies to multi-round, mostly what we would consider machine guns. It's, and it's, it right. and it came out uh, after uh, a bunch of hoo ha about you know people starting to uh, again the government never makes anything illegal they just tax it and then when you don't pay the tax they bust you well no so that's so, what the marijuana stamp with the machine gun stamps and et cetera well okay so the the marijuana stamp just to back the, into that came out as a result of the uh, the fact that there was an argument by a, an attorney that said, well, if you guys don't have a means of collecting the tax, how can you arrest my client for tax evasion mm-hmm. while selling drugs? So that that's how come they issued the, the marijuana stamps, as, as I recall. The, uh, the firearm Timothy stamps... Timothy Leary. Right, the, the firearm stamps are for guns that require a federal permit Correct. to own. And that includes right. machine guns, howitzers, hand grenades, you know, all of those things that make great for war, but not the type of thing you'd normally carry around with you. Um, Unlike California, if you were in Arizona and you wanted to buy a pistol or a basic rifle, uh, you do not need a firearms transfer uh, stamp in order to just purchase it over the counter. No, and we were lucky when we were in Southern California because most of these stamps come out of Hollywood and you get them all the time. And they're to MGM studios and Fox studios and stuff like that because the movies need machine guns. Normal people just trucking down, you know, I'm not going to get into a second amendment debate or anything like that, but realistically a machine gun is kind of overkill. If you're Arnold Schwarzenegger and you don't have two machine guns, you're underarmed. Right. Absolutely. No, and, and you're correct. I mean, when the, the movie sets, when they used to make war movies and everybody was walking around with uh, Thompson submachine mm-hmm. guns and, you know, uh, M60s and, and so forth, uh, you, you would absolutely need those, uh, which you know, even if they were temporarily bought uh, you know, from uh, a collector used on the movie, that would be a transfer. And then the uh, the person got it back at the end of the movie shoot or whatever it would have been, uh, still needed to be yep. cognizantly uh, associated with the transfer. Yeah. Right. Now, now, interestingly enough, since the turn of the century, since around the turn of the century, that's around 2000, not 1900, <laughs> um, unused firearms tax stamps are no longer available you have to uh, only used ones because they're afraid that uh, if you have Hmm. unused ones they'll be used illegally to transfer weapons around that makes sense so uh the new the newer firearms and yes they are still printing them and using them and enforcing these laws Oh, Stan um, Iceland got one like six yeah. months ago. Yeah. Brand new from the movie studio. Yeah. So I, so I assume you have to actually send the paperwork in. They apply the stamp and cancel it at that point and then send it out. Yeah. Well, they're they're just handwritten canceled. They're just... Yeah, they're, 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 they're standard revenue dated... Can, I mean, yeah. they can be pen canceled, but uh, they have to be actually have been defaced uh, yep. before you can get your hands on them. Just like a duck stamp. So, yeah. The, the older ones you can find mint. Because they're obsolete, 
but the newer ones that are still in use, you cannot. You cannot own those. Remember, up until 1940s, you could buy a Thompson submachine gun through the Sears catalog. Go Sears. <laughs> you, you can buy an AR-15 at Walmart in Tennessee. Yeah, but, but an AR is a, sem- is a semi-automatic yeah. at this point. True. Okay, and it is legal to own a, without a tax stamp. Yeah. If, on the other hand, you want to buy a fully automated yeah. you know, M16, you would need the tax stamp. You can buy AK-47s. You can buy those all over the place. Again, in in a semi-automatic mode. Correct. Uh, You can also buy the automatics, and then the the tax stamp would apply. Yeah. They don't don't like you to have those, though. And and, uh, just from the segue that we went from duck hunting to the tax stamps, I was just going to point out that if you were to use a gun associated with the gun tax stamp to do your duck hunting with, you wouldn't have much of a duck left. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> so, okay, Cash, you've satisfied my you've satisfied my desire to talk about stamps on a stamp podcast. So, so next week we can go back to talking about well, whatever. Okay. Well, <laughs> before we do our petering out, I would like to bring up uh, something that uh, thank you for the people on Facebook. I want to give a shout out to John Zwyer who's another chicken stamp collector. I found a, uh, it, it, it sounds like nothing. but Bird, I've Birds been, of a feather? I've been searching for a very long time. I found a chicken stamp on a non-philatelic commercial cover. Yes. After years and years. Well, I, I noticed the posting, as a matter of fact, that when I first saw it, um, you, I thought you had labeled it as a non-commercial cover because... Maybe you saw a lot of them from the Farm Institute of, of you know, China. I would love to find one from someplace like that. Right. But it is, it, I think it is somewhat can be considered a commercial cover, which... Uh, oh, it's definitely, it's to Macy's. Or Mays Department Store. Or Mays. Was like it uh, Macy's? That was Macy's. Hold on. It, oh, you're right. It's Mays. Mays, May Company. Right. So I don't know if the May, you know, the May Company, uh, at what address? Uh, Broadway and 8th and Hill. Broadway, 8th and Hill. I guess it's a three-way intersection. Um, okay. Is, is, is that a New York address or is yeah. that a... Sounds like a New York address. Oh, no. It's, uh, Los Angeles. You know, I never even noticed that. And what did, what did this company do? Uh, May Company was a, it, uh, it was, uh, clothing Depart- and department, department store. store. Yeah, yeah, yeah department May Company department was a department store. store. Yeah. Okay. So, uh... So this, so this was used uh, to pay a bill? Yeah, probably. Yeah. yeah, okay. Or maybe it was used to order something by mail. Well, it looks like a return mail yeah. type of uh, envelope. But it, it's the first one I've ever seen on a commercial usage. I mean, I've, I've seen very few on just like letters, but you see them on letters. Wonder, this is the first commercial usage. I wonder usage. how many well, I've soaked off. So now, now I wonder yeah. if, just, if I'm using a return envelope is, you know, as a person... You know, and I'm not mass mailing it as the business. You mean as opposed to being a dog or something like that? Well, yes. Does it a, does it count as a commercial usage? It does. Is it a commercial usage as me as an individual returning that uh, pre-printed? See, I, I envelope? have a I have a problem with you know people who label mail to and from a stamp dealer as philatelic mail because as a stamp dealer, you mail stuff all the time that is non. 
that the purpose of the mailing is non-philatelic. It is part of your business. Yeah, but you know, when's the last time you mailed a letter and the stamp on it was, let's say, less than 25 years old? All the time. Oh, yesterday. Really? Yesterday. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. we probably have a, a you know a bit of an exception in that we I see mean, a lot of stamps that we use. I mean, for, for convenience, when I mail a first class letter or a, a Christmas card or a birthday card or something like that, for convenience, I make sure I have something from the post office within the last yeah. six to nine months, some commemorative stamp. I don't I don't like the definitive stamps all the time. Well, you know, but we've, we've seen plenty of covers that came out in the 1920s and uh, 30s that use stamps from the 1900 yeah. period uh, because somebody wanted an example of a used Washington Franklin coil. Right, right. Discount, discount postage has been around for a very long time, and it's still around, so... That's so, that's not the big deal. The, the big the, deal the is item that comes to mind to me is a 356 pair on on cover used in 1930. And uh, what about all the Benton and judged, Harbor stuff? And judged non-contemporaneous uh, yeah. in its usage. But what about well, all the Benton Harbor stuff? Sure. Yeah. Um, well, the Benton, a lot of the Benton Harbor stuff, uh, and also uh, Pine Lawn. Yeah. All right. Uh, when we see a lot of those cancels now, Pine Lawn is interesting because it's associated with Meekles. Oh, okay. So they were the users of all of that stuff. So you see all this imperforate stuff that came out about that time. The the other usage was mostly parcel usage. A lot of the coil stamps on the Benton Harbor stuff were, were slapped all over parcels. So you see large strips of, of usage. Right. Which, since we're talking about it, July 21st, postal rates go up to 50 cents. First class postal rates, yes. Yeah. And uh, postcards go up to 35 yeah, it doesn't really matter to me because I use discount postage and I always tend to put more than 50 cents on because I don't try to. It's hard to get 49 cents. So yeah, you right. put 50 cents on anyway. True. Right. And also one more thing, and this is just, this is anecdotal because I didn't do a big search, but I did a significant search. On Amazon, you have a lot of stuff now listed by the USPS. And all the people who had the uh, counterfeit stuff, you don't find it. I mean, they may still be there, but they're hidden now. They're, you have to do different searches. You can't just put in postage stamps and find the counterfeit sellers. So uh, I think Amazon has finally cracked the whip down there on uh, people selling counterfeit postage stamps. Well, I, either that or the Postal Service has gotten smart and decided they're going to sell enough stuff and list enough stuff that... Uh, they just drown out the, the forgeries. And that could be because, you know, now the USPS, if you go on Amazon and you look for stamps, there are lots of, uh, you know, the, the commemoratives, the sheets and stuff like that, which normally that wasn't there. So you had the people selling the fakes. Well, you know, I, I like to collect a sheet of the fakes when I hear about them, when I find them. Oh, yeah. So, you know, anybody hears about one, let us know so we can get out there and get one or send us a sheet or something. And uh, Just keep your eyes on eBay. They'll show up there eventually. They they do show up every now and then. Are we ready to peter out? I I think think we've already petered. I I have one final question. How bored is Dawn? (laughs) (laughs) My guess is she's pretty bored. We haven't heard a word from her. 
Well, not she, only that, I, but I've been watching her for like the last five minutes, going back, going forth. Like <laughs> I've seen her so, for so, an hour. So, so you and Don have been playing charades. No, I've been waving at her. I don't think her camera's on. Oh, okay. No, my camera's on it, but yours isn't. Oh, mine is. We see you. I see me. Mine says I'm on video. Yeah. Okay. I see just nothing on. Okay, no. Let, let's cut this short then. Uh, Gary, why don't you give a plug for your business? <laughs> oh, oh, certainly. Thank you. Um, my name is Gary Greenberg, and uh, I'm the owner of the U.S. Stamp Shop, a, uh, a business that's uh, based on eBay. And... Uh, uh, we sell stamps, uh, mostly classic U.S., but also a variety of currency and uh, some other ephemera items. Uh, I certainly would welcome anybody who uh, wanted to to come and check us out. We've got about 20,000 items up there right now, and uh, we're always happy to make a deal. Cool. Let's end abruptly. Thank you for joining us. This has been Cash, Scott, Tom, and I'm your host, Dawn. Continue the conversation at Stamp Show Here Today on Facebook. You can ask us questions, see pictures of the stamps, make comments, and add to the conversation on Facebook. You can also ask the experts your stamp questions at bluepaper at gradingmatters.com. You can listen to all of our past podcasts at stampshowheretoday.com podbean.com, iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast listening platform. And as always, keep collecting. This episode of Stamp Show Here Today is brought to you by the Philatelic Book of Secrets, the book that teaches you about repurse, regums, color varieties, and much more. Get yours for $10 at www.philatelicsecrets.com today. Worst episode ever. Oh, not even close. Do it live! I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live! Wait, wait, get this started, get this started. It's right, and it's right, it's right, it's terrible. Oh my, get out of the way, please. It's running, bursting in the flames, and, and it's falling on the morning fast, and all the folks would see that this is terrible, this is the worst of the worst catastrophes in the world. Still, it's Let me have your ducky. Oh my god, who the hell cares? Stamp collecting happens when we dream together.